All right, we are live. Hi, everybody. I'm Zane Daniel, and I'm a light worker. And today I have with me Monica Kupiek, who is. Are, would you say you're a light worker? You know, what would be your definition of what you are? Um, I am a light worker, but I don't necessarily associate myself as that. I would say more of like an energy healer, um, and also just a medita- meditation practitioner to okay. help people with their. Okay, so why? So, so this is a show that we're going to do on a weekly basis, probably around this time. We don't know what the name of the show is yet, so we've been brainstorming some ideas. So eventually, we're going to come up with something, I'm sure, and it'll be great. Um, but the one thing we do have is a tagline, and that tagline <laughs> is, "We know everything, and so do you." Yes. So the reason that that is our tagline is because, of course, we all have access to universal knowledge and all we have to do is realize how to tap into that. And so that's one of the things we'll most certainly be talking about and maybe even today. But before that, I thought we should kind of get to know each other a little bit because we met um, on a Facebook group, uh, on a YouTube channel learning sort of Facebook group. And... And we really don't know each other that well, which is kind of fun. What we decided to do. We met like last week. (laughs) Right. Yeah. What we decided to do is create a little show where we're actually going to kind of get to know each other on the show. We, We had like what? One hour and a half, two hour conversation that went really smoothly and very easily. And so and we came up with this idea. Actually, this is an idea that I've had for a while, but you really liked the idea. So we're like, okay, this is what we're doing. So anyway, I would love it if um, you went ahead and kind of introduced yourself and what it is that um, you're excited about in this life and what it is that you want to bring to the world as, as your unique, like your unique incarnation, your, your, your unique person. Oh, thank you, Zane. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I'm Monica and I live in Hawaii. Uh, I practice, I guess, you know, just tuning into myself and developing a relationship with my intuition. That's really been my drive in a lot of just my whole aspect of being young. Uh, I am 27 years old, but my spirituality kind of started when I was maybe about 14. I had some like health issues with my liver and my kidneys. And my holistic doctor at the time, she said that if I kept eating the way that I did, I probably wouldn't be able to have kids. And being so young, that like kind of hit me. I'm like, oh, like I won't be able to have kids. But uh, eventually, once I started to like listen to my body and she was giving me energy healing sessions, she was also Polish. So I feel like I didn't really understand her too much, but I was just present and just like openly hearing to what she was telling me to, you know, change my body, to listen to my body, to what it was craving and just developing that sense of intuition. And eventually she was also, she was, we were Catholic when we were growing up, but she was, she kind of helped me change the perception of God to being more of like in the trees or out in nature. It didn't have to be in an enclosed space, like in a church setting. And I always had a weird like feeling that church isn't it. Like I don't, didn't really feel connected in it. I was always super tired, super, super tired. Whenever I came back home, I would always have to take a nap. And I didn't think that that was like (laughs) the way it was supposed to happen. Like, why am I so tired? Like, why am I like constantly judging people in church? Like what kind of cute shoes that 
people are wearing or like where the cute guys in, in church. Um, but I was, I feel like I was just starting to develop that like inner sense or like that inner, like in, inner talk with myself. And after my first like heartbreak, when I was about 16, that's when my interest in my spirituality or just the sense of myself really spiked. I just didn't want to feel that like heartbroken or just that emotion. And I started to just really tap into like, why am I feeling this? Where did it come from? Like, where's this emotion in my body? So I got very more in touch with myself, especially from like becoming vegetarian for the last like two years from that experience with my holistic doctor with changing my health. I feel like the emotion part just really brought out like, whoa, like there's way more to just like experiencing great health with your body. There's also this aspect of your emotions, like your emotions can get twisted around. So essentially, I feel like my drive in life is my intuition to seeing where it likes to go or seeing what happens on a daily basis to essentially just, I don't know, take it to the next step. Uh, eventually I moved to Hawaii when I was 20. It was also just that inner knowing of wanting to be by the ocean. And I literally changed my whole room to like a huge canvas of a painting of a, of a wave and like took out so much furniture, so much like nonsense and just like literally meditated in my room in front of this wave. Like I'm going to be catching waves soon. I want to live in Hawaii. I think all my friends thought I was crazy. They were like, "Mm, okay, cool. You're going to move to Hawaii. And then, (laughs) And then when I finally did, like, it was just like, it felt it was the right thing to do. And my intuition definitely started to increase even more. Um, I got that big familiar sense here in Hawaii that I've been here before. Whenever I was going on hikes or in the ocean, I would get like pretty heavy deja vus. And from those deja vus, I just wanted to explore even more. Like, what? why am I feeling this familiarness? Um I just kept diving more into it, found out I had a fear in heights when I was hiking. So it was like a cool step to go back in the mountains and just learn more about myself. Like what else did it have? Um, I had a couple other like fun flings with men. And whenever that like never worked out, my emotions like kind of like were like upset again. So I'd like go into the mountains or go into the ocean to like start healing. And I developed that, that like intuition of, again of how nature is really here for me and the present moment is so beautiful just looking up when you're up so high in the mountains seeing the ocean and seeing the horizon and how everything is so endless it made me see that that's a mirror so that's a mirror in me this endlessness or like that's also me I'm infinite it was just a really beautiful connection um but yeah definitely my drive is like wherever my intuition is leading me I'll wake up in the morning and just you know feel it out and just go by that Nice. Okay. So I, I take notes because you say lots of interesting things <laughs> and I've got to like keep track of it all. So um, one of the first things that I took a note on is that this person that was working on you, you said she was Polish, right? Mm-hmm. What was that exact situation and why did it mean, why, why was it that because she was Polish that there was some sort of issue there? <laughs> Um, so my mom was coming with me to the sessions and she would take notes because I am a terrible writer in Polish. And then some of the words, 
spoke in Polish the whole time. She only, she, yeah. So she only oh, spoke in Polish. Okay. And I speak, I mean, I speak fluently and I can understand, but there's obviously like, I don't know, like the body system, like, I don't know different organs, what they're called in Polish. So okay. that's like, so that I feel like it t- helped me to just listen and to just hear what someone is saying to me versus my mom was like in depth, like taking notes, taking notes. You know, like when you're in school where you're always just like engaged in taking notes and like gathering the information, you kind of miss kind of, you miss like the message that the overall message, because you're so absorbed in like just this one topic or like what does one recipe for, for a meal should exactly look like. Uh And for me, like, I was just like, Literally, she would say, like, just have your palms open and just, like, don't cross your feet, don't cross your hands, just, like, let the information flow to you. And she would always have, like, her little, like, pendulum, her her little, like, thing to, like, just to check energetically what was going on. So I would just be observing and, like, feeling what all of that was because that was my first exposure to that type of of stuff. Mm -hmm. And she was Polish because my mom was referred to her by... Our, our other Polish family and with my health like it was really just about acne I was always getting a lot of acne and we tried going to der- dermatologists but nothing was working and my mom's friends were like oh go go check out this lady like maybe it's something with her diet and it turns out I had a, I think I was sensitive to like dairy so we took out dairy and then yep. she was very much in the whole like vegetarian thing so that was just like my my first like mind training. Okay. Well, let's change my perception about food that I don't really need meat to like grow up. Right. Um, Polish people are very much into eating meat too. Okay. Sure. Well, and so, and that was a challenge also. It's like anytime we have an opportunity to, um, to make ourselves uncomfortable, essentially to, you know, like Mm -hmm. I like this food, I like cheese, I like milk, whatever. Right. And, and so to say, to have someone say, you shouldn't do that anymore and it'll get, make Mm -hmm. your acting go away. It's like, oh man, like I'm going to miss out on (laughs) cheese and milk and pizza Mm -hmm. and you know, on and on and on. And to be able to say, well, actually I can do this. This is just a willpower sort of thing. I can just decide Mm -hmm that I don't need to do that. And that I, and and I can prove to myself that I am strong enough or that I am capable of, of handling any kind of suffering sort of situation. However, Mm -hmm. you find that maybe it's not really suffering, but it's a little bit of suffering, right? (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. definitely self-control and like even having lunch during during high school like everyone's always like sharing foods or like you go to the cafe it's all like junk food and it's just like a self-control like okay I can't eat this or else it'll make my body like shut down or won't make me feel good and at that time I was more focused on the whole like I want to have babies when I grow up so this is my motivation and like I just found the importance of taking care of myself. It's it's it starts with what you're intaking. It's not necessarily because she said it it would it would help. I'm sure that that was definitely something that did trigger something in my head. Like hey, like wake up, like start taking care of yourself. So right. that was definitely like, like the first one. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, it's that's interesting thing that really can set you down a path of all kinds of possibilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's so it's so so cool. And like I mean my journey started with food. So like even if anyone else out there is struggling with like how to try a, 
like changing a perception about yourself or taking care of yourself, I feel like food might be the easiest because it's, it's something physical. It's something that we can see. And like over time you can see how your body reacts. Like even, I think I did eventually over the years, I did like a keto diet and I liked how my body felt during that one or doing intermediate fasting. Um, that also helps too. I think you do intermediate fasting, right? Maybe mm -hmm. I do. Yeah. 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 That's very cool. Okay. And then, so, um, you talked a couple of times about intuition for yourself. So, mm -hmm. um, can you give like an example of an intuitive moment, maybe a defining intuitive moment, maybe even the one that made you realize that you were intuitive? Uh, it was actually, I think when I was five years old, it happened. Okay. Um, I was swimming and we would, I'm from Chicago originally. So we would go to like Lake Michigan and on the Michigan side, um, there was this part where the lake gets like really, it's like really shallow to your like ankles and then it gets super, super deep. And then maybe like a couple of yards, it gets really shallow again that you can just like sit in the middle of the lake or like stand in the middle of the lake. Mm -hmm. And I think my, I was ready to go back, but my brother that's like a year and a half older, he decided to stay and i was like okay i'm gonna swim alone and it was like i was just like You're doggy paddling <laughs> i'm pretty sure i was five i was like very very like Whoa. very young and uh -huh. so i started doggy paddling and then i was there was this like sense of like i kept hearing like oh just keep going you'll be fine and there was this group of men that were playing football like in that deeper end um and they were like asking me like oh are you okay like do you need some help and i'll be like no I'm fine. I can do it. And I just like kept going, like just kept listening to that voice. Like you're, you're okay. Like you'll be fine. Like, don't worry. Like just, just keep going, just keep swimming. And I got to the shore and I remember just being so exhilarated, like, Oh my God, I just did something so hard. Like I did something like, so like, like I could literally just like feel like my spirits like lifting up. And then my mom like trained us. We always had like this, this like different colored umbrella. She's like, Oh, if you get lost, like just look for the umbrella. And so like, I like took a step back because I think I drifted a little bit and I like looked for the umbrella and then I like found it. And I like remember just being so happy from, from the inside. And I don't remember any experiences onward, but that one like really stuck with me. It's still something right. that I like recall. Well, at five years old, it's difficult to remember much of anything. So the fact that you remembered all that <laughs> yeah. is pretty significant, right? And and so, mm -hmm. but, but, but I'm sure you didn't say, okay, well, that was intuition or that voice was intuition. It's oh, only definitely not. you were able to look back and go, oh, I know what that was, right? Mm-hmm. It was almost like little instances of like that part of me coming, starting to remember or like not even remember, but like there's that sense of wonder of like, oh, like I just did something hard. Like I want to try to do something hard again. I want to try to overcome something again. Like like people people are always like telling you like, oh, you can't do this. You can't do that. Like, mm -hmm. like if my mom was out there, but like, she'd be like, no way you're not suing alone. Like you're not doing this. Yeah. Yeah. And I would have never had that experience. Or like if my brother had decided to come back with me, like I would have not had that same experience. Cause he would, would have been like, oh, just like hold on to my shoulders or like, right. like let's swim together. He would just keep on helping me. Right. But just from having that experience by myself, like, I feel like that's when, it was almost as if I wasn't alone. I was like my, my, my spirit or my intuition was like, Hey, I'm going to help you. So like, if you ever feel frightened, just, just yeah. listen. Just listen. Us. Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So then that's my next question is that today when you have your intuition, which you've called this, 
Mm-hmm. Is it the same sort of thing that's happening? Are there voices in your head that are telling you things? Yeah, there's definitely voices I can hear like a definitely like a more gentle tone. So mm-hmm. I feel like I always say that there's three tones in my head, like ones that are a little bit harsher that are just like out of like in, out of like impulse, like do this, do that. And then there's like maybe my voice that I hear like, oh, OK, well, maybe this, maybe that. And then there's this one that's like very soft, very gentle. And like she'll just be like, make a left turn, make a right turn or like eat this, eat that. Like when I'm at the grocery store, I like start to, it's not necessarily like a voice, but it's also like a feeling, like a glow, like something will glow at me. Like I remember getting this like sunflower coconut oil. It just had like a, I like passed it and it had like a really nice glow to it. And it turns out I was feeling good after like, after taking that oil. So it's more of like, it's developing from a voice to a feeling now okay okay and so then that softer voice was that the one that was telling you to continue swimming i feel like it was i mean i can't really recall it but definitely it seems like I it seems like wouldn't have been the one that's going just keep swimming like you know like, <laughs> <laughs> right? yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> quite right right mm-hmm. that's cool. okay so then i thought that it was really interesting that you okay so was it the intuition voice that said move to hawaii <laughs> Yeah, uh, that one was, um, well, we, my first trip was in eighth grade and I had that like inner knowing too, like, oh, I feel really good here. It was just that, like, just that feeling of like, oh, this, so, there's something interesting about this place. And I don't even remember saying this, but I guess my mom did that to anyone that I met in Hawaii that was like local. I like said, like, oh, I'm going to move here. I want to live here. It was like one of our bus drivers that took us around the island. Like I get, kept saying like, oh, I'm going to live here. I'm going to do it. And then when I went to France, there was this one beach we went to by Omaha Beach in Normandy. And we got to the ocean and I like I like ran out, ran out and like touched the water. And I got that like voice in my head again, like, go move to Hawaii. It was like a very gentle voice that just like whispered, like move to Hawaii. And like when I was little, like going to France was like one of my big dreams. Like it was like France and New Zealand and Australia. Those were like the three main countries I wanted to go to. But when I went, I think I was 18 and I feel like I went to France just to figure out that I wanted to, wanted to live in Hawaii (laughs) or like that, that like message came through, like you need to go to Hawaii, (laughs) like stop wasting your time at other places, like go to Hawaii already. (laughs) Interesting. Okay, cool. Well, and so what's great about that is that you followed it, right? There's many people Mm -hmm. who will hear that voice or will have that excitement and they'll go, yeah, but, right? And then they start Mm -hmm. explaining to themselves, uh, justifying their reason for staying where they are or for not taking Mm -hmm. that action. And, you know, many times there's very good reasons that people would do that, right? They're like, they have children or they have this job Mm -hmm. or husband has this or their wife has that. So it's harder to say, okay, I'm going to go ahead and do this. But um, we, we both can stay with a lot of, of mm, conviction that Mm -hmm. following that excitement, following that voice, following that intuition will lead you to something amazing. Right. Yeah. It's not even about that amazing part either. It's just that curiosity in the moment of like, okay, like it's, there's a voice that's telling me to do something. Let's just see where it goes. So I feel like it's so easy to listen to other people and be like, Hey, like go get a degree. Hey, go, go get married and have kids. But essentially like, is that really what I want? Like, do I even want that? 
because that's what the mindset was when I was living in Chicago. It was just like, you know, step one, step two, step three, then you'll be happy and successful. But for me, like I didn't, I didn't resonate with it. There was like something more that I was craving. And I feel like that intuition just kept like getting louder and louder because I, it didn't want me to not necessarily fail, but to like get into a hole that I would eventually have to get out later in life. And I guess just having that, not necessarily freedom, but that, I guess that choice of, Hey, like, let's listen to it and then figure out what's going to happen next. I think when I moved to Hawaii, I didn't even have a place to live. I didn't really have a plan. It was mainly to go to college because I was transferring, transferring schools. One of my professors had mentioned like, Oh, just go finish college wherever you want to move or wherever you want to live. And I was like, Oh, I I do know I want to live in Hawaii. I don't know what I want to be or what I want to do in life. So it was just like just little instances in life that just kept like, it's almost like a domino effect, like, oh, let's listen to one thing. And then the next thing just kind of kept rippling back and forth. Nice. Do you do you have that intuition voice, too? Uh, sure? I sort of do. Yeah, I, I would say that I do. And, and real quick, I'm just going to say, if anybody watching would like to ask a question, please go ahead and leave it in the comments and then we can uh, address that question. But uh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, mine really did come from that, uh, the, this voice in my head. Because mm-hmm. I had an ayahuasca experience in mm. 2013, and the way that that ayahuasca experience presented itself was not just like a psychedelic experience. It wasn't just mm-hmm. a whole bunch of funky visuals with with uh, things that I needed to overcome or any of that, which is pretty common uh, with ayahuasca. But instead, it was just a voice, and it was the first time that in my adult life that I heard a voice like that. And if mm. I think back to being a kid, I can kind of hear a voice that, that was maybe present, but mm-hmm. I, I kind of disregarded it. So it, it wasn't a major issue, right? Or it wasn't a major thing that I, I paid attention to. So mm. it wasn't until I had that ayahuasca experience then that there was this voice in my head that essentially came to me right away and just said, Hey, I'm, it didn't say the, these words, but I knew, okay, how about this? I knew mm. this fact. As soon as this voice started speaking, I knew that it was the voice of universal knowledge. And I talk about mm-hmm. the voice of universal knowledge all the time. And, and when that voice spoke, then I, I realized that I could ask it any question and it, and, and then I began doing so. And so in that process, it essentially taught me the, the, the basics of spirituality. And I didn't even realize that I I was being instructed in this way because I grew up uh, in a science-based family. Mm -hmm. My grandfather was a chemist. My father was an electrical engineer. My uncle was an electrical engineer. So Mm -hmm. all I had was science. Religion was not even discussed. If it was discussed, it was like this crazy weird thing that half the, or more than half the population believes in all these fairy Mm -hmm. tales that that was not part of our of our dinner conversation so it wasn't until uh that i had that experience and i was 40 uh 41 i think when i had the first Mm -hmm. ayahuasca experience so i went through a long time thinking that when we die we turn into mud and there's nothing after that Mm -hmm. that that um that we that you know, science kind of had it all figured out, or at least that's what I thought. I mean, obviously it didn't have it all figured out, but, but the big bang, the, you know, just the basics of science, I just completely believed Mm -hmm. in 
yes, truth. And so it wasn't until that voice started talking to me that I went, oh, <laughs> science doesn't have to figure it out. And so mm-hmm. at that moment, I pretty much took all of my science knowledge and just threw it away and said, teach me. I'm open. I'm ready. Mm-hmm. So That's I was so cool. super, super uh, open to the idea. And so the first question I asked was, how should I live? And it was just a little icebreaker question, you know, how should I live? <laughs> um, and, and, and it essentially told me that I didn't love enough. And I was like, mm. what do you mean? You know, I love, right? Like I, I love my, my, my wife or my, my girlfriend at the time, my, mm-hmm. her, you know, my family, my, you know, whatever these different people in my life, maybe my friends a little, I guess I love them. You know, like I was yeah. normal. U- U.S. citizen. There's <laughs> just like, I just love certain people and everybody else, you know, good luck. And so I, you know, I, so I didn't understand. I was like, what do you mean I need to love more? Um, and, and so it, it is, this was the first image that it showed me. So now mm-hmm. I'm looking at a planet and this, and I knew immediately that this planet was me. And mm-hmm. that, you know, if you've ever seen pictures of the earth with like the little atmosphere that goes around the outside of the earth, mm-hmm. there that, that existed in what I was looking at. And then outside of that little atmosphere border was all the beauty of the universe. It was nebula and stars and planets and black holes and all this awesomeness. And mm-hmm. that little border was essentially the gap between me and the beauty and the majesty of the rest of the universe. And so until I loved all, I wasn't going to be able to access all of that awesomeness. I can look back at it now and tell you what that meant. But at the <laughs> time, I still didn't totally understand what I was looking at or what was going on mm-hmm. because it was just so new and so foreign to me. So after that trip, that seems like it was the fine delining of like figuring out like what you love or that you need to love more. How long did it take you to start implementing that into your life? Like, did it take like, you know, the next, the next week or did it take a couple months or a year? Years. It took years. years. Like I, it, I did not get it totally. Like I, I understood what it meant, uh, you know, within maybe a mm-hmm. year, but to be able to actually access unconditional love for all definitely took some time. And now mm-hmm. I can say it and I say it all the time. I, I love all unconditionally. I mean, at the, mm-hmm. almost at the end of every video, I say, you know, I love you unconditionally because I truly do. Mm-hmm. And and I know that we as humans and that we as source, that is what we're here to do is we're here to love unconditionally. That is mm-hmm. actually what we do. And we might not even realize that we're doing it. But mm-hmm. because we're so distracted by all the day-to-day survival-based stuff, we don't even recognize or realize that we are, we are essentially loving all unconditionally. So, yeah, so that, and plus like uh, there were a couple of other little lessons that it taught me during that first ayahuasca experience. Um, One of them was uh, it taught me about um, uh, past lives, which Mm -hmm. I didn't believe in at all. Right. And so Mm -hmm. I, I, I think for some reason, I can't remember exactly the sequence, but but all of a sudden, I, I was essentially asking, what about all the animals that are being factory farmed? What about all the animals that are suffering? And mm. and so this was probably the only dark moment of that ayahuasca experience where all of a sudden I was looking at all the all those animals. And it essentially mm-hmm. said to me, 
you get to be all of those. You get to be all the animals that suffer. And I was like, "Uh oh, (laughs) you know, I'm not liking this so much. (laughs) Um, But at the same time, it really opened my eyes to all kinds of different things. It it made me go, Mm -hmm. well, do we need to to make animals suffer so much? Obviously not. And if we do, are we essentially hurting ourselves? Because when we reincarnate, we are going to be those animals and we are going to experience that suffering. Hmm. If, mm-hmm. if everybody had that moment, then I think there would be a lot less animal suffering. So I understood the, the, the reasoning behind it. And it opened me up to the idea of past lives. Like I just didn't think mm-hmm. that that was possible at all. And then I would say the other big one was at the time I, I was very much a capitalist. So I was mm-hmm. trying to figure out ways to survive without having to work. That was very important to me to retire nice and young, right? Mm -hmm. So I had invested in all kinds of real estate. So I had multiple rental properties at that time. And it wasn't Mm -hmm. very long after the rental crash, the the real estate market crash. And so I was worried. And so I, I, I was even kind of embarrassed to ask this question, but I had to ask the voice of universal knowledge, hey, what about the real estate, right? What about my properties? And, uh, and so, and to my surprise, it was very quick to answer. And it said, oh, well, we don't want you to fail, but we don't really want you to succeed either. And I was like, oh. well, 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 why? You know, I was like hurt, right? Like, oh, but, but, you know, I, I care about my tenants. I'm like making sure that they have all the money or all the, the, the stuff that they need to survive and I fix their problems. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I feel like I'm a good landlord. I'm taking care of them. Why, why would I be punished? You know, essentially, why can't I be successful at this? <laughs> and they said, well, they, they actually just said one word. And this word was one that I had not really included in my lexicon before that. I didn't Mm -hmm. believe that it was true. I didn't believe that I'd ever felt that way. I didn't even know if that word actually had any meaning and if it existed in a way, because Mm -hmm. I lived as a capitalist in a capitalist society. And the, Mm -hmm. and the word was greed. Mm. So that's the reason why they didn't want me to be all that successful because of greed. Huh? Okay. Well, isn't that interesting? So it took me a little bit of time to realize that throughout my life, I'd always followed the things that made me passionate, the, all the things mm. that, that had great excitement to me. But okay. this was one of the only ones that I had ever done that I had just done for the money. And so I wasn't passionate about real estate. I wasn't passionate mm-hmm. about looking at properties. I, the only reason I was passionate about looking at properties is because I saw dollar signs. And, and mm-hmm. so that helped me realize that actually, if you don't follow your highest excitement, if you don't follow your passions, then things are probably just going to go okay. They're not going to go great. Mm-hmm. Um, and so even though I'm provided for, uh, I'm not provided for if I'm following the wrong goals or the wrong mission. So then when you're performing in your passions, do you feel like there's a different feeling while you're in that like high per se? 
um, I guess as an example, like I, when I used to surf a lot, like I would just feel very like free, just very like in the moment, like I can feel more connected with myself or like when I was hiking, I could feel like my intuition coming through more. So then do you feel that once you stopped that greed or like stopped following that, when you made the disconnection of like when you were more passionate versus not passionate, did you feel a connection with your intuition increase? Absolutely. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, there's, I'd always felt this great flow, you know, you, you, they talk about Mm -hmm. your your sports figure who gets into the flow or gets into the moment and and can just easily into the zone. I think they call it in sports. Right. Mm -hmm. So I definitely had always felt that. So, uh, you know, I had, I had played, been a video game player since I was a kid and and my grandfather, that same grandfather that was a chemist, he taught Mm -hmm. me how to, to program a computer so the first thing that i did uh, with it is i started writing my own video games and, mm-hmm. and while i was you know programming my own video games i, I was at an, uh, an excitement level that i can't even describe like that i mm-hmm. that what i wanted to be doing it was so clear and obvious um and and that happened with anything that i where i followed my passion so mm-hmm. i'd always had that experience and so it was pretty easy for me even at that point to go oh okay I just need to keep following that passion. I shouldn't be mm. following money. Mm-hmm. And how old were you when you thought of that or came? Through? Well, that was during the ayahuasca experience. Was, so, you know, yeah. so I was about 40, 41, something like that. Okay. Um, and then when, when you were growing up, when you were following your passion or like being in that flow state, were you ever curious about it? Like that there was something more to it? Because I know it feels like, okay, so you came from more of like a science background. So maybe right. you weren't so in touch with your feelings uh, or like you weren't so in touch with like the sensations or emotions because you wanted everything, everything needs to be proven versus like right. tuning in, inward. Um, so like, were you ever curious about those sensations or like, oh, maybe there's something more or it was just like, I'm just going to follow. I just, I just, yeah, I just loved it. But I really did take note of it. Like I really... Okay noticed that it was happening. Um, I, I would listen to music at the time. And, and so that all kind of played together. And so there was the, the music, my favorite songs at the time, whatever they were mixed with this excitement feeling that I had. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, I wouldn't have to eat because I'd be so involved in what I was doing. I'm just so focused on it that I'm sure I was channeling, you know, at that time, Mm -hmm. but I didn't know that I was channeling. I wouldn't have ever assigned that to that experience. Mm -hmm. And uh, until I just said it right now, I probably <laughs> have never even thought of it in that way. So. Mm-hmm. so then do you feel that if someone is like curious or getting curious about spirituality, but like has come more from like a science background, do you feel like ayahuasca is the only way to open them up a little bit more? Or do you think that there's other mediums that they can do? Oh, plenty of other mediums. And I actually really like talking to people like that because I was there. And so it's a mm-hmm. little bit easier for me to get there. And one of the things that I've been saying recently to people when they say, oh, this is a bunch of crap. Like, how do you believe any of this stuff? All Mm -hmm. I do is I say, if you can believe for just a moment that you are much greater, you are much more than this limited three-dimensional being that you are right now. If you have any thought of that or, or allow that possibility, then you are open for the potential of anything. But if you know deep inside that you are just this biological being and when you die, that's it, then you're not quite ready yet. And, you know, give me a call when you are. 
that's cool. Yeah, it's nice that um, I mean that you came from like literally not knowing anything about spirituality, and then how the big shift happened to you with ayahuasca. Because mm. I did ayahuasca two years ago, and I re- was already developing that intuition state, and my ayahuasca experience was more about healing my body more because I had like a really bad injury. Like I had like nerve damage in my ankle from a surfing accident and like no doctor could figure out what was wrong with it. But like the ayahuasca was like, Hey, like I'm going to take this out and like you take go take care of your body now. So it was like a totally different experience with how like the medicine works for each person. So personalized how it's not going to be the same as, you know, the person next to you is going to be the like, it's almost like I, I, my experience with ayahuasca was like going to see a psychic that is so truthful and just so like, this is it. Like, I'm not bullshitting you at all. Like, you're oh, going right. yeah. yeah. to know. <laughs> you're going <laughs> to know exactly what you need to know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I loved it. I, I was at one ceremony where I was next to a guy who told me about his experience afterward. And he was a, an insect, a, a insect person. He just loved all insects and he studied Mm -hmm. them. And I don't know if he was, you know, that was his career or not. I don't think it was, but it's just huge interest. And he said that as soon as the visuals of his ayahuasca experience began, he saw, he he saw that he, he was a mosquito and that Mm. the, that the, the, um, the spirit of ayahuasca, Aya herself was, was this giant being because, you know, he was the size of a mosquito. So he flew up to her, right. And she's this giant mm-hmm. being and, and he landed on her and she said, she looked down at him and said, go ahead. And, and he like started sucking the blood of ayahuasca of the spirit of ayahuasca. Oh and that was how he gained all the knowledge and how he gained all the healing and how he can't, you know, it was so, you know, I just love the symbolism and the possibilities from, from that experience. Oh my gosh. That's so cool. <laughs> I was like, that was the coolest ayahuasca experience I've ever heard that, you know, you win. <laughs> <laughs> But in reality, we all do. <laughs> exactly. Yes. That's so cool. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. So yours was healing the body. So that's kind of interesting because most of the time the ayahuasca experience is for healing emotions, uh, past traumas mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. And, and so when you were healing your body, did you did you have the throw up? Did you have the vomit experience from that? Yeah. So that one. That one of her, like, because it, it was literally a vision of, like, I could see my body and, like, she was taking out this, like, ball of energy from my ankle. And, like, literally she would, she, I just, she made the message of, like, I'm going to take this out of you. So you go take care of your body now. That was the third one. And I think after that, I, like, literally stayed with my body for a little bit with, like, just feeling the oneness of everything. I think that's when my body, like, died and it was just, like, flowing with everything. And then eventually I, I did throw up. But the visions before that, because I that was the third that was the third ceremony, and then the two previous were very visual of like stuff with my parents, stuff with like the the men that I've been sleeping with. Like she actually the year prior, I was celibate for a whole year just because I was so like like so irritated by like the boys that I was meeting of like okay like why do I keep like going from one to the next to the next to the next, mm-hmm. and I then like tuned in I did like a vagina meditation and it was like oh envision like a cave and like what does this cave look like and mine was like cobwebs like dark like it was just like oh "Oh, shit I haven't I haven't (laughs) taken care of you at all like I'm not even like asking you want to like sleep with these guys oh my god Um, 
And I think I was like bawling my eyes out during this meditation. And I was just like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And I decided to like, just take a break from sex for a whole year. I was like, mm, like, let's just figure this out. And with the ayahuasca um, ceremony, it like marked a year. Cause like it was my birthday. It was like, it like marked a year of me being celibate and the ayahuasca like congratulated me. She was like, good job for doing this keep going until you find someone that you feel like you want to do it again. So I think I took like a six, another six months break and then I met someone, but it wasn't like the best, but it was nice to like have sex again. <laughs> and yeah, but it was interesting how like she, she acknowledged what I did and that it was truthful for me to, to, to do that. And then she gave me some other visions of like how my future guy that is more compatible with me, how I should feel. It's not about the physical of how like he looks, if he's hot or not, but it's like emotionally, is he there for me or is he present with me? Is he, you know, going through the same, like having the same spiritual views as me. So that way we can, you know, elevate each other or like compliment each other in a way. Right. Um, Cause I mean, like a lot of the guys that I was seeing, it was like, I would forget about my intuition. I would eat pretty shitty or like I would put him first instead of like tuning into myself. Right. And oh, that so was just like a, that was just like a bad habit that I was going through, but I wasn't really realizing it until like we would, you know, separate or like he would ghost me or like I would ghost the guy. And it was a cool learning experience of like really developing who I was authentically versus inauthentically with. It's like, why was I inauthentic with the guys that I didn't really mesh really well versus why was I authentic with other friends more than, more than other people. Mm-hmm. So it's like a cool, like back and forth battle, of, like trying to discover like, what do I really like? What do I don't like? And then the ayahuasca was like, this is how you should feel. Stick with this one. Right. <laughs> she kind of gave me like a, like, a, like a rubric, like, Hey, like listen to, see if there's like these check marks like make sure you right. have these check marks yeah well that's cool well first of all i have to say that um your your candor and your honesty is really beautiful um not not a lot of people can can say some of the things that you just said and so that shows you know like your your in, intense confidence in yourself and in truth like you know you don't have to try to cover it up you don't have to try to like dodge it or be uncomfortable you know, you're authentically you and that's really beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I definitely learned that the more, the more you able to speak about like what's happening in your life, like it'll just like, you'll start attracting more people. My mom actually, she was very much of like, Oh, just like, don't tell anyone. Like there was a lot of things that was going around in our house. And she was like, don't tell anyone. So I think me and my brother were pretty like closed off because of that. Like we weren't able to like talk about, you know, different different things that were happening and it wasn't until like he moved or when I moved here and then like he came to visit me like three years ago or so like we like bonded really well we're like why didn't we hang out more like growing up like why why was there like such a big disconnection and I feel like the more you just open up you're like able to have a more intimate experience not necessarily sexually but just like one-on-one like soulfully like I see you you see me like let's just get over this and I and I just had a conversation with my brother like last week like about like relationships and like I don't think I would have ever been able to talk to my brother before about like sex or about like you know just like a relationship issue so openly and I feel like it made us bond more and it helped like grow from the experience like okay like 
he's having this issue just like I'm having this issue. Like let's go back and forth about like the same type of reflection that we're having, mm-hmm. but we would have never had that conversation. I think that conversation flowed for like three hours and we're like, Holy shit. Like it's been three hours. Like it only felt like an hour. It only felt like a couple minutes. Right. Um, That's great. Yeah. And so that, again, that authenticity, that honesty can bring about so much in, 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 in a conversation with somebody else. Mm-hmm. And so of course, you didn't have that relationship earlier on because mm-hmm. you weren't ready. Right. Yeah. And, and now you are, and it's can be more, even more amazing as a result. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, you, you know, the, the whole idea, you need the contrast, right? Like you need mm-hmm. to be able to look and go, Oh, well, this is how it was. Wow. Like, look how good it is now. That's amazing. We needed that. Yeah. So, you know, mm-hmm. again, the same is true for suffering and for, you know, you know, what's the opposite of the word for suffering? <laughs> I'm like suffering and pleasure. Like, is it ple- pleasure sounds, doesn't sound right. Right. Like what's. Yeah. I think it's more of like that. It's like a, it's like a feeling of freedom. Like it, I don't think freedom. there's a word for oh, it, but I feel freedom. like it's a, yeah. I feel like it's a free, free, like a freeing feeling that breakthrough almost like, kind of like when we do like those energetic shifts for people it's like like that like sensation of like oh uh, I know who I am or like suffering is like the pain body or like it's the ego version of of the self but then when you shift more to like the spirit self or like the intuitive self it's like oh there's this familiarity this like freeing feeling that I can be be more open or I can be not that suffering self I think just a couple of days ago I got into like a dip I was like like depressed I was just like not feeling anything like I was working on my website and then I just got into like this deep like oh what's the point like why am I doing this like like wow. that ego was like coming out I was like like well, you don't have to do this like like I don't know if it was like unworthiness like coming out but it was definitely something that made me sad and like it's a familiar, it was a familiar voice too, because I've definitely had that with my old jobs of like, it's like, Oh, like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like I'm just like, so like my energy is so like down. And then like I got out of it. Cause then I, I was like, went for a drive. I was like driving fast, listening to music, just like, br- like shaking myself up, like wake up. Like this isn't yourself. Like this is your old self. It was that suffering that I was creating in my mind versus like, in in the present state like wow how beautiful the island is or like wow how beautiful this like yeah, feeling gratitude. is of like right i wouldn't even call it gratitude it i have this weird thing about gratitude i feel like oh people okay just, like, we'll have to, i feel yeah. like you'll have to discuss this another yeah one, but. yeah that's <laughs> a really interesting one but yeah yeah okay but i well, let's not discuss that right now i liked where you were going with all that so okay yeah, but so, it's, it's that feeling of freedom like that freeing right. feeling because i feel like um like the ego self is so good at like bringing us back to like a box or like bring us bring ourselves back to like that limiting that limiting self until mm-hmm. like we unfold the box we're like whoa we're limitless I think you mentioned about lim- being limitless being a limitless limitless body but it's so easy to fall back into that limited state because it could oh, yeah. be anything anything that can trigger it absolutely and and we come about it honestly because that that limited state allows us to survive. I talk Mm -hmm. about this ad nauseum that, that this being that we are, that we've incarnated into these three dimensional beings are very fragile 
and we've incarnated mm-hmm. into what was once a very dangerous world. And so it was very easy for us to lose our lives as a result of just any basic decision. So it's mm-hmm. super important for us to understand or to, to, to gain all the survival characteristics, survival characteristics like um, worrying about things like Mm-hmm. Being, you know, uh, uh, recognizing our own limitations, le- recognizing our weaknesses, knowing that we were in fact fragile. And so mm-hmm. that it, that's why this species still exists for us to incarnate into is because mm-hmm. we were so successful at being able to survive those very difficult times with that limited thinking. Because one of the, one of the proponents of that limited thinking is I can't predict the future. We're terrible at predicting the future, right? If we were any good at predicting the future, we'd all be Bitcoin billionaires. So, <laughs> so instead, we, the only thing we can do is we can go, okay, well, I don't know what's going to happen. So I got to think of every possibility. I got to think of how mm-hmm. all this crap could go wrong. And so as soon as you start to look at, oh, that could go wrong and that could go wrong and that could go wrong, what, you, mm-hmm. that's when you start to go down, right, in your in your mm-hmm happiness levels but at the same time it is a survival mechanic because you're going okay well if this goes wrong then i just need to do this and if that goes mm-hmm. wrong then i have to do this and so it's your preparation for doom <laughs> that is actually at work when you're at your lowest emotional states because mm-hmm. you're you, you have to you it, because again we can't predict the future and all that so we come about it honestly so we can't beat ourselves up over feeling that way also that happens all the time people will go oh my gosh i'm i'm frustrated about how miserable i am right like yeah. so now so now you're both you're you're piling on to how miserable you are so mm-hmm. just recognizing the fact that you know what i accept that this is the way that we humans are and that i don't need to be like this all the time that i can mm-hmm. transcend it i can realize that i am extremely powerful i'm this amazing multidimensional being and mm-hmm. and every day i get to exercise that if i so choose mm-hmm. and that's sometimes that's all it takes is just recognizing that fact i like how you said that it's rec- exercising it it's almost like cuz it is yeah. an ongoing thing but I guess from doing it for so many years and then like, or just being with my, like being aware of my ego self and my, and my intuitive voice, how I'm not realizing that it's an exercise until like years later. I remember one year I went back home and I was reading one of my old journals. And in that journal, I wrote uh, that my mom, me and my mom were like bickering and I wrote that I became aware during it and I didn't react to her. I was just listening to her. I was just like holding space of her, like bickering at me, but I wasn't reacting to like, you know, stir it up even more. Yeah. And then yeah. I remember, and then in the journal, I wrote like, I'm so happy I, I did it. Like I became aware, like I was just so thrilled. And this was maybe like, maybe like within like five years of like reading that journal from the, from when I was reading it to when, when the experience happened. And I I got overwhelmed with joy. I was like, oh my God, I used to be excited about these little things that I call that are natural now because they're just not there. It's like a natural right. instinct. And yeah. I didn't realize that I was exercising. I was, I was practicing it mm-hmm. to then come to this state that I'm at now. And it's like yeah. almost as if that what I'm experiencing now still is like those like dips or those like that voice just coming back out. It's still like 
there's still like a couple more years, I'll be like, oh, like, I remember when I had that. I don't have to. <laughs> that way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. And so, so the, for those that are watching that are in the early stages of that, there's all kinds mm-hmm. of wonderful things that we can do. We can help them with uh, it to, 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 first of all, to look at all of those sorts of situations, let's pick something like uh, somebody who maybe verbally abuses you. Maybe it's somebody at work or somebody in your family who's mm-hmm. telling you that you're no good or telling you to shut up or whatever the verbal abuse is. First, mm-hmm. the first thing to do is to look at that person and think to yourself, you don't have to say anything out loud and to go, this person is my greatest teacher. Mm-hmm. And that's a real, if you can say that, as soon as you say that and you really feel it, that this asshole or whatever is your greatest teacher, then everything changes at that moment. At that moment, you go, okay, so what can I learn from you, teacher? Rather than, I wish this person would go away. I wish this mm-hmm. everything that he says, he hates me or she hates me or whatever. Like we can get so wrapped up in that moment, but to just change, just tweak it a little bit, huge difference. Mm-hmm. I agree. I usually say, I usually forgive that person on a spiritual level. So I'll just say like, I forgive you. Or I'll say like your spirit, whole and innocent, all is forgiven and released. There's like this little phrase that I I say from, from one, one one book that I once read. Uh And from then it helps me just to shift that person, shift that, shift that feeling. And I usually reflect it back to myself, to my inner talk, to like, when was I telling myself to shut up? Or when was I telling myself to, that I'm not good enough? And I would reflect it back to how many times have I said this to myself in any situation within the last week or the last month? And then I'll be like, oh, I'm just, not that I'm projecting it, but this person is just reminding me that like, hey, I'm not voicing myself enough. I'm not speaking my truth. There's something really inauthentic going on with me in my life right now that I need to work on. And mm-hmm. he's just helping me. Like he's here. Like you said, he's my greatest teacher. He's just helping me to like realize like, hey, like wake up, Monica, like start talking up more, like start communicating better with with the men that you're with or with, you know, with your, with your parents or something. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting how, once you make that shift, like you'll notice that that person is going to react to you differently. Or like that person that was bickering at you is going to apologize. Be like, Oh, I'm so sorry. Like I, I, that was out of hand. I'm, I'm really sorry. And they'll be like, Oh, that's so cool. Like I, like I helped, like you help that person by just sending that like forgiveness and it helps shake them up. But it's also giving you that inner power or that inner strength of like, okay, I can take a step back and reflect on myself. Mm -hmm. And you were saying it earlier too, when you were in that first experience with your mom that you were checking out in your journal, where you remain calm. And that's a huge Mm -hmm. aspect of it as well, is sometimes it it is just being able to look them in the eyes and just be okay. And and to... Mm -hmm. uh, absorb or, or, or even just reflect or allow it to bounce off of you. Like I don't have to react in the same way that you're reacting to me. I can Mm -hmm. be a lot stronger and just kind of observe. And I often say this, I say this all the time that this is all a movie and this is another Mm -hmm. opportunity for you to recognize that it's a movie. And this is just another actor in the, in the movie who's doing what he's supposed to do. He's, he's supposed to be a jerk or whatever. And so Mm -hmm. now 
how are how are you as the main character going to respond to this actor who's being a jerk? Well, you know, mm-hmm. okay, that's pretty cool. My character happens to be a character who's really um, who who takes things in stride. And so as a result, I'm going to play that character, the one that takes things in stride, and I'm just going to take it in stride and like laugh it off maybe inside or or whatever mm-hmm. and, and be able to move past it much easier than you would otherwise. Because the other option, of course, is to be like, there is no movie. It's just all happening to me and, and I'm surrounded by it and I've just got, I can't respond and I don't know what to say and blah, blah, blah. Like we get into those sorts of things. And we are mm-hmm. now are very much our 3D selves. We are very much that limited self we were talking about earlier. We are not that unlimited, multidimensional self that can look at this moment, the silliness of this three-dimensional being who is attacking us and go, good, good try, man. Good try. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. Yeah, I feel like laughing at the situation also helps. Like, like okay. okay. Come at me. <laughs> like I'm ready for this. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I had. I've got to tell one story. So there was somebody that I used to work with uh, that everybody. He he was just a jerk to pretty much everybody in the company and at different times. Sometimes he was very nice, but he could really be a jerk. And so it was very difficult at times to deal with this person. Um, mm-hmm. And and I always felt bad for everybody that he was being a jerk to. Right. Like I. I, I wanted to come and rescue them, but he was higher up in the company, so I couldn't really do anything, or I did. I, I felt like I couldn't do anything. Notice how I said <laughs> that. I couldn't do anything. I made that choice that I couldn't do anything. Yeah. And so for the longest time, I lived in fear, this was before my awakening, that, that if I said something, then something bad would happen to me. So mm-hmm. I had to look at it differently. And finally, as I was awakening, as I was still working at the company, one day he was berating someone in a meeting with lots of other people in the room. And I was just, I just had enough. I was like, I can't, I can't watch this anymore. The person he was berating was really feeling awful. And he was getting lower and lower and lower in his chair, you know, and Aww. nobody would speak up for him or anything. And mm-hmm. as soon as this person was done yelling, I turned to the guy he was berating and I said, don't worry too much about this. This guy's just being an asshole. And, you know, to, to be able to say something like that very calmly and very, mm-hmm. you know, openly in, in a situation where he dominated and no one had ever said anything like that, especially mm-hmm. in a large meeting, was a, a huge breakthrough moment for, I think, a whole bunch of people in the room and including the guy who was being the jerk himself. He immediately mm-hmm. stopped. And, and, and I really do believe he changed a lot just from that moment. So that's mm-hmm. just, a, again, having that calmness to be able to go, Hey, don't worry about it. He's just being an asshole, right? <laughs> like, super yeah. simple. And can he have a huge impact? Because I wasn't living in my fears at that point. I was yeah. finally living in just truth. Mm-hmm. I can totally relate to that. It's, it's, it's literally about just speaking up. It's like not having that fear of doing it. I remember when I used to work in retail, we all had like a group meeting. Um, it was like an award meeting and just like just random updates, but everybody in the store was there. And at the time I was like number one seller. I was like their top producer. And when I worked from the bottom, like there was a lot of negativity of like, oh, you need to, you need to sell more. And there was a lot of like pushing of like to do better, but like in a negative aspect. And I remember I was going to like quit a bunch of times, but like I had this like inner sense of like, oh, just stay, just stay. Like this is like giving you a pretty good income at the time. 
And after a year, I was kind of like fed up. Like it was a, like a lot of my coworkers, everyone was just like negative. Everyone was just like, you know, like everyone's so mean. The managers are like, are like rude. And at the meeting, they said, is there any advice that anyone wants to give to anything or does anyone want to add anything to to it? I literally rose my hand, stood up like, and I asked and I said, like, can there be more positivity, like coming from the manager side whenever we get our like reviews? Because whenever we had reviews, there was nothing positive about right. anything said. It was only right. about the negative. And I literally just like kept like rambling. I'm like, there's no positivity here. Like everybody's just like in a negative state. And I think like the, the upper guy, he was like, whoa, this is coming from our top producer. Like we should do something about this. Uh-huh. And I remember after the meeting, people were like, no way you said that. I can't believe you said that. <laughs> right. And like, people were just like congratulating. It was almost like a breakthrough of like, just like speaking yep. up about like, hey, like we're being treated poorly. Like you should do something about this. And maybe cause I was in that position of being the top producer, like just being someone, I guess, significant in the company. Like it maybe made a movement, but literally within that week, like the managers were like talking nicely to us they were encouraging us like and we always had like headsets like they would actually like start saying something nice that we did instead of like yeah. saying the numbers were shitty or like the numbers are bad right. it's like how how something so small that you can do because it's like literally like i wanted to say it i wanted to say it and i did and that shifted so much within just like a short amount of time but if i had never had said that nothing would have changed like everybody would have still been in that same state or like if i had said it maybe to one manager like it wouldn't have been such a big like like shift per se Mm -hmm. yeah because everybody that was in that meeting then now has expectations that Mm -hmm. something were to change like yeah she's right what the heck what are we doing and so Mm -hmm. yeah it it almost forced it, which is kind of amazing. So we are now just over an hour. And so we said that our, our these would generally be an hour. It's very, <laughs> very fast and easy hour, right? Um, yeah. But I do want to let everybody know that we're going to do this every week. And so even Thanksgiving. So for those who are in the U.S., uh, we're going to do it on, on Thursday. So I don't know how many we'll have, uh, but that's all right. Um, the other thing that we would love to uh, ask for from everybody Give us ideas for the name of this show. We've been brainstorming them all week <laughs> and we haven't had one. We're just like, yeah, that's it. So <laughs> you know, we want to get that. So we'd love to hear your guys' ideas for it. And so if you've just tuned in, then obviously we'll be ending this and you can go back to the beginning and watch it all the way through because it will always be available on Facebook. Um, and so, you know, we welcome you to give us your thoughts and to tune in next week and you can ask us questions during it as well. So we'd love to have you. Thank you for joining in and listening to us. <laughs> yeah, that was fun, Monica. You're, you're awesome. And now we are one more hour of knowledge about each other. <laughs> so look at that. I feel like we yeah. should, uh, we should call this uh, getting to know each other. <laughs> yeah. That's really great. Yeah, like uh, what did I? Uh, nearly strangers is another idea that I had a long time ago. But but it won't be long before we're not strangers, so that doesn't totally mm-hmm. work. So. Well, we're not strangers. We've known each other for right three and, for and a half many, hours for many lifetimes. <laughs> yes. All okay. right. Well, thank you, Zane. Thank you, and we'll see everybody next week. Bye. Okay.
Now I got to find my mouse and hit end broadcast. There it is. Bye. <laughs>